What did you talk about then? He offered me $5,000 for the black bird. Uh, uh, you're not going to go around the room straightening things and poking the fire again, are you? People don't I fixed like it. our. There we go. You fixed a burp. Yeah, I fixed it. Hold it's on. fine. What? Well, I'm not. There we go. Mm, okay. You better now? I'm better now. Okay, go. Welcome, Hi. everyone, to number 31. One? I'm almost positive this is 31. 30... Hold on. Hold on. You know Let's what? check. You know, I'm so glad that moments before we start recording, we, we look. I knew what it was, off. and I forgot. It is 31. It is 31. Because I thought, I, yeah. Because welcome to 30. movie 31 on the AFI Top 100. We are almost. We are the epitome of professional. Yes, we are. Woo, professionals. This Excuse is. While we burp and forget the number yep. we're on. <laughs> this is the Maltese Falcon from 1941. Our second Humphrey Bogart film. It is our second Humphrey Bogart film. It was an hour and 40 minutes long. It is a drama film noir mystery. 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb. No meta score. Um, directed by John Huston. Right, written by John Huston and Dashiell Hammett. Dashiell Hammett did the novella mm-hmm. and John Huston adapted it. And starring Humphrey Bogart, Mary Astor, Gladys George, Peter Lorre, Barton McLean, Lee Patrick, Sidney Greenstreet, Ward Bond, Jerome Cowan, Elijah Cook Jr., James Burke, Murray Elper, and John Hamilton. That's literally everyone that's listed on yeah, IMDb. Yeah, that's pretty much everybody who's in the movie, too, <laughs> yep. for that matter. It's our third John Huston film. Um, the other ones were... I'm sorry, this is our third Humphrey Bogart film. I already correct myself. What was our... African Queen. Oh, yeah. That's the one where he's like half dead. Yes. So it's African Queen. Yep. Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Yep. And this one. And this one. And then we've, I think, got a couple more, actually. And we've, uh, oddly enough, uh, in the order that we've watched them, we are going reverse chronologically from when they were released. Oh, interesting. Because African Queen was the latest John Huston yeah. Humphrey Bogart film, and then Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and then this one. Um, apparently, you know, okay, so briefly on the... Um, yeah, all uh, of his known four movies on his IMDb <laughs> page are on the top 100. Um, we When we were on the uh, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, remember we were talking about the other films Jack Nicholson had been nominated for? That yes. Preezy's Honor that we that I yeah. brought up, that was one of John Huston's last directed oh, films. Oh, interesting. Which kind of makes me, so that's no wonder why it would have there would have been nominations for him, yeah. because it's John Huston. And he also right? did Annie. I no. Did, he directed the original really? Annie from the... That's uh, very interesting, yeah, Enrique. From 82? You know, that one? Yeah. Like, you could say original, right? People, yeah. Like, that's that's correct, Yeah. Right? The one with Tim Curry and who was it? Um, yeah, Carol Burnett. That's right. I didn't know Humphrey Bogart was in Angels with Dirty Faces. <laughs> Not Angels with Filthy Souls. Yes. That's the movie from Home Alone. Which I really wish they actually made into a movie because uh, that would have been I so I wish we could watch more gangster James Cagney movies. I like James Cagney. I like this movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry. The summary. Correction. I freaking love this movie. I love this movie. This movie's brilliant. I liked this movie the first time I saw it. I love I this love movie this now. Movie. A private detective takes on a case that involves him with three eccentric criminals, a gorgeous liar, and their quest for a priceless statuette. I don't have anything cute to say about this movie. Mm, It's sad. It's going to get less (laughs) and less frequent as we go up the list. And just like my stuff and things Things is going to get less and less. Because I have three, 
and the three were really stretching it. Yeah. I feel like I mean, like it's it's hard to be funny when this stuff Ugh, because the movies movie. are so good. Ugh. I I will say this though. I will say this. If you've never this seen movie this dropped movie, eight spots. It was number twenty two. I don't know. Was there is there eight newer? No, that's not eight newer films. Because newer would be pretty much some like it hot bumped it down, but that dropped for, to number twenty two from number fourteen. Psycho was at eighteen, now is at fourteen, and went went up four spots. So we have a lot of movies that we just get. We're getting to a couple where it's like a stretch of them, like. The last four we watched either didn't change or dropped. Then, like, the next five are all have gone up. Then the next five have all dropped. Or well, there's one new one. Interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's just they're yeah. they're rearranging More the or top less, yeah. So I, like, I wonder if, like... Although Raging Bull rose 20 places. That's huge From for 24 a to film. number four. From 1984. It's number four? Here, here's the top five in years. Number one is from 1941. Number two is from 1972. Number three is from 1942. Number four is from 1980. And then number five is from 1952. There's eight years difference between That's those movies, some of those movies. See, Anthony Perkins died in 92. I was trying to figure out why Psycho would have raised. but he, Because it's... I mean, I know because it's Psycho. Yeah. And it is a great film. Don't get me wrong. Duh. But it's like, I was trying to think maybe, well, did like somebody die in I it? Doy. And that's why like it bumped back up because it was back in the collective consciousness or something weird like that. I don't know. It still is in the collective conscious. I mean, they are doing Bates Motel on yeah. AMC, which was an intriguing show. I couldn't get into it just because I got distracted by other things, which happens. No. Shut up. <laughs> Well, this movie, this movie is spectacular, though. I, this is a great movie. I'm sorry, this is great. And I, I will say this, I will say this, if you've never seen it, because I went into this movie having never seen it, I know, I knew of the Maltese Falcon, trust me. Yeah. Or Falcon. Should Maltese we pronounce it the Fal- way that they pronounce it? I say the Maltese Falcon. I always say the Maltese Falcon. They pronounce it the Maltese Falcon. Yeah, but they're also in, like, San Francisco <laughs> in 1941. They all talk like gangsters, see? Um, see? No, it, it's I have never seen this movie. This is the first time I knew of it. By all means, I've I've heard of it. Hell, I did a movie poster just for fun years ago for it, which I don't really like. I could do it better now. But um, it's it's one of those movies where if you've never seen it and you want to sit down and watch it, do not get distracted. We, no, I told Jeff to pay attention. Yeah, I, and we had to even what was that, like a half hour in the movie? Twenty minutes in, we had to pause. We it. had to pause it because there's. So so much that goes on mm-hmm. story wise that if you lose track of it in that first 20 minutes the rest of the film won't make sense and nice and it's it's definitely um it's definitely one of those things where yeah you you have to keep track because there's like there's a couple deaths in the beginning yep. and i got i got them confused i thought they were talking about the same person i missed the second death honestly and it's like oh okay so what the hell's going on? And we had to stop. We had to go over it. We went onto Wikipedia just to reread the plot outline to make sure that it was, in fact, what we were thinking was going on. And then at that point, the rest of the movie made sense. But you have to pay attention. Do not put this movie on and expect to be doing something else if you've never seen it. Because I'm no, sorry, yeah. I lost track and I was trying you to did. pay attention. Yep. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so no no, no summary for, for Lindsay. So we'll move on to the awards then okay. for the film. Uh, really short. This is not going to be a huge uh, thing, really, uh, for me for most of this. The the Inflation Nation's quite a bit, 
But uh, yeah, stuff and things with Jeff is kind of low. And then the awards are even kind of low. This film had a total of four awards. Yes, that's it. Very small. Three of those were Oscars. The uh, It had been nominated for. It did not win any of the Oscars it was nominated for. It was nominated for Best Writing slash Screenplay, John Huston. So it would have actually, nowadays, that'd be a Best Adapted Screenplay. Since, did you, you say that during, you said that during the cast, right? What? The cast and crew. That the, it's, there was two writers, right? Yes. And the one is the writer of Special the novella. Special Hammett, yeah. Yes. So it was, a, it was a short story before, sorry, it was a novella. Those are two different things. Because I did research to figure out the difference between a short story and a novella years ago. And yeah, a novella is, uh, is, it has chapters. Short stories tend to not have chapters. And they tend to be like 50 pages or less or something like that. Which is interesting because Carrie by Stephen King mm-hmm. is a short story. It is 250 to 75 yeah. pages and has... Does not have chapters, really. So it just, it's just kind of like, you have to read it because it's kind of like interview clips and diary, and then it's, it's you have to mm-hmm. read it. It's good. I've got a Stephen King kick this summer, kids, <laughs> with the reading. It's fine. It's true. I haven't watched a Stephen King movie, but I'm, I'm a big Stephen King reading kick. <laughs> I need a new book or author to get into. I hadn't had anybody I was passionate about in a while. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's not your fault. Chuck Palahniuk's book started to suck. That's not my fault. <laughs> um... Yes, yeah, so the best writing slash screenplay for John Huston, best actor in a supporting role for Sydney Greenstreet, and then uh, best picture. Okay. It was nominated for, did not win any of those. It was entered into the National Film Registry in 1989. And that counts as one of its awards. That does, in That's fact, so count. That's so weird. I have always been counting those as awards. And I know. And that does count because it is one of those where there's films that are nominated mm-hmm. for the National Fr- yeah. Film Preservation, and then they Which choose Which you can look ones. up online. Yes, so, yeah, Shawshank has been has been asked for several times. Thank it better frickin' be into it, because seriously, it's Shawshank. Come I on, know. people. But, Shawshank! Uh, yeah, so uh, that's... Uh, for the win. That's that's it. That's all I got for awards. Oh, okay. So it's trivia time, and okay. we'll come back to my fun There's stuff. There's quite a bit of trivia. We'll see how much right. of it have I actually read. <laughs> I'll read this one, and that's it. <laughs> Gutman and Wilmer are referred to as Fat Man and Little Boy. These are the names used for the two atomic bombs dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, respectively. Humphrey Bogart had to supply his own wardrobe. This was a common practice at Warner Brothers as a way for the studio to save some money. His suit was awesome. Yeah. I actually, I I love this era. Uh-huh. I would love to have lived in this era. Well... To a degree. I would like to visit this era. I don't want to live in this era. I would era. like to live in this area, era, this area. I would love to <laughs> live in this era if I had the money to afford to look like the people in the movies did, basically. <laughs> I still wouldn't want to live then. Go visit, yeah, but not live there. You wouldn't want to live in the 40s? Mm-mm. Why not? No Wi-Fi? Yeah, I'm a child of technology. I like my technology. Also, the okay. depression was ending. Well, that's why I'd like to have the money. There was that. wars, you know, <laughs> happening. Shh. Like, bad Little ones. wars no like, one yeah, heard about. Yeah, Come fine. on. Okay. <laughs> okay John I'd, Huston. I'd love to visit for an extended period of time by not being involved with anything bad okay. that happened in the 40s. Have fun being a Rockefeller. I would like to. Okay, there you go. See, because then I'd have the money, and then I'd have the suits. Basically, I just want the damn suits. That's all enough. I want. Fair and enough. I'm too big to wear suits like that, and it's sad. Um, that Green Street guy, whose first name is escaping me, Sydney Green Street. Who is much bigger than you? He's like giant. seven thousand times bigger. I than don't you, understand how suits. he's two ninety five. I will get to that because I. I will get to that. Was close to that, and I didn't. Let me read my that. trivia. Kind of sad. 
John Houston, I'm not listening to you have your pity party over here. I'm going to read my trivia. The pity party. That one shirt you had I know, fits I'm so now, excited. so don't even start. John Houston had Mary Astor run around the set several times before each of her scenes in order to give her a breathless, nervous appearance on screen. Okay. Probably also a little bit of a sweaty appearance. Yeah. Three of the statuettes still exist and are conservatively valued at over $1 million a piece. This makes them some of the most valuable film props ever made, and indeed they are now worth more than the film cost to make. That is awesome. I would love to have a Maltese Falcon. Should look it up. Although he storyboarded every scene, John Huston was open to abandoning his plans if his more experienced cast came up with something better. He estimated that three quarters of the time he used his original setups, but for the remaining quarter, he adopted ideas that the cast had come up with during rehearsal. Mary Astor's off-screen notoriety was instrumental in her casting. She was known for being adulterous, for having an affair with John Barrymore, for being widowed in a plane crash, being a multiple bride, and an alcoholic. She also kept a diary of her various sexual exploits that was introduced as evidence in a custody hearing against her estranged husband over who should look after their daughter. The gossip rags at the time thrived on these stories. (laughs) The unusual cigarette lighter that graces the top of Sam Spade's desk is a Ronson touch tip table model. It is by the Ronson Company between 1935 and 1951. It is a classic example of the Art Deco style motif that had dominated the era. Originals are so sought after by collectors that at least one company now exists that is entirely dedicated to restoring original examples to full working order. I'm sorry, at 357 pounds, 60-year-old new British newcomer Sidney Greenstreet was so large that the studio had to specifically manufacture his entire wardrobe for the role of Casper Gutman. That is more reasonable. I was going to say, I'm, I'm like, that number doesn't sound right now that I'm saying it out loud. When I graduated high school, I was 300 pounds and I did not look like that. No. At all. He was a big guy. And he was probably relatively not tall. Yeah. Either. By the way, the... Uh, <laughs> damn it. I wanted to say the Millennium Falcon. Not the Millennium Falcon. What you. a piece of junk. <laughs> um, in uh, November of 2013, The Hollywood Reporter gave an article out talking about the fact that the uh, the the only prop or the, the one of the props of the Maltese Falcon that they made for the movie that was actually used in film sold for $4 million. Jesus. Um, that is $4 million. Okay. Um, to, uh, to compare this to other things that were popular, the original Batmobile from the 1960s TV show yeah. sold for $4.6 million. A vehicle sold for $4.6 million. Oh my God, it's the Batmobile. It's the Batmobile. The original Aston Martin driven by Sean Connery and Goldfinger sold for $4.1 million. Um, the Ruby Slippers worn by Judy Garland sold for $2 million. And then uh, the 500, 500, and the original Enterprise model used in the TV show Star Trek sold for a half a million dollars. So that gives you like any kind of perspective on this tiny statue that doesn't move. Sold for the equivalent. The original Aston Martin. The original Aston Martin. Driven by Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. Only went for four point one million dollars. Only went for four point one million dollars. And this statue went for four million dollars. Yes. I need to move on. Sorry, I, I just figured that'd be a good relevant. Everything. That happened recently. Yeah, it did. So. Jesus. Enjoy. Enjoy. In real life, Dashiell Hammett had been a one-time operative for Pinkerton's detective agency. 
Bridget O'Shaughnessy was partly based on his secretary, Peggy O'Toole, and partly on a woman who once employed him to fire her housekeeper. Joel Cairo was based on a man Hammett had picked up on a forgery charge in 1920, while Wilmer, the gunman, was drawn from a petty criminal who went by the nickname of the Midget Bandit. (laughs) The stuff that dreams are made of was voted as the number 14 movie quote by the AFI. This line was actually suggested by Humphrey Bogart, and it is paraphrased from William Shakespeare's The Tempest, and that verse is, We are such stuff as dreams are made on, and our little life is rounded with a sleep. You can buy a replica of the Maltese Falcon on Amazon okay. for $185. Okay. It is a full-size, full-scale, full-weight replica. What's it made of? Wrapped out, wrapped, it comes wrapped in Chinese newspaper. Nice. Bound with twine in Captain Jacoby's La, La Paloma burlap sea bag. Nice. As seen in the That's film. Fun. So it comes with, and then with a certificate of authenticity. That's cool. And it's on Amazon. Nice. So if anybody out there would like to purchase this. <laughs> For us. Uh, for us. We'll gladly accept this as a gift. We'll open up we our Amazon PayPal. gift kit, you know, gift yeah, wish, a wish thing list that we can that everybody does. Oh my god. You know. That's so weird. I've never awesome. done that. All right. John Houston recruited Mary Astor to play a prank on his father, Walter Houston, after the elder Houston had filmed his cameo. Astor called up Walter, telling him she was producer Halby Wallace's secretary and that Wallace thought he'd overacted during his scene. Houston was enraged, declaring that he'd never been accused of overacting in his life, but agreed to return the next day to reshoot the scene. John then took the phone from Astor, identified himself as Wallace, and repeated the criticism. Walter grew even more furious, declaring that he'd already agreed to the reshoot and and it was only when John exploded in laughter on the other end of the phone that re- Walter realized his son was playing a prank on him. There is an inordinate amount of smoking done by the main actors in this film. According to then-studio employee and future screenwriter Stuart Jerome, this resulted in a feud between stars Humphrey Bogart and Peter Lorre and studio head Jack L. Warner. Warner hated to see actors smoking on the screen, fearing it would prompt smokers in the movie audience to step out into the lobby for a cigarette. During the filming of The Maltese Falcon from 1941, Warner told director John Huston that smoking in the film should be kept to a minimum. Bogart and Laurie thought it would be funny to annoy Warner by smoking as often as possible (laughs) and got their co-stars Mary Astor and Sidney Greenstreet to go along with the joke. During the initial filming of the climatic confrontation, all four actors smoked heavily. After seeing the rushes, Warner fiercely called Houston to his office and threatened to fire him from the picture if he didn't tell Bogart and Laurie to knock it off. Realizing their prank had backfired, Bogart and Laurie agreed to stop smoking on camera. However, when the next series of rushes came back, it was obvious that the lack of smoking by the actors was taking away from the sinister mood of the scene. Houston went back to Jack Warner and convinced him that the smoking added the right amount of atmospheric tension to the story, arguing that the characters would smoke cigarettes while waiting nervously for the Maltese Falcon to arrive. You know what I enjoy? That Jack Warner didn't want them to smoke because he was worried the kids were going to start smoking because this was obviously well no, no, before no, no, that no, ever happened. No, 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 that he didn't. That's yeah. not the reason why he oh, wanted them yeah. to I'm like, smoking. Nuh-uh. But it was because he was worried that people, like smokers, were going to be like, yeah, I could really go use a smoke and get up and walk out of the theater like and miss part of the movie. Like, that's the reason. It was all about keeping the people in the seats, not because it was, right. you know, it could potentially influence kids. <laughs> oh, you know, Jack Warner, the head of Warner Brothers, you know, who created, you know... Bugs Bunny and Looney Tunes Man. and that yeah whole thing. Warner Brothers planned to change the name of the film to The Gent from Frisco because the novel's title had already been used for the Maltese Falcon from 1931. 
Okay. The studio, event- studio eventually agreed to keep the original title at John Huston's insistence. I like the title being the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. Don't call it Why the gent you? from Frisco. That's the stupidest name ever. Sounds weird. <laughs> Much of the movie is filmed over Humphrey Bogart's shoulder so that the audience can be in on his point of view. Word for word and scene for scene, virtually the same as the original novel. I was going to see, I was I was actually going to look up to see how different it was from the original novel. That's cool. So they, they followed. Here's a great film adaptation. And if you want to, if you want to yeah. find a movie that was accurately adapted from the book, that's cool. Two Maltese Falcons were used for the film because Humphrey Bogart dropped the original one during shooting. The original Falcon is on display in the movie museum at Warner Brothers Studio. Its tail feathers are visibly dented from Bogie's flub 60 years ago. You were just there. I know. I was just thinking if I took a picture of it. I think I did. Keep talking. This is Sydney Greenstreet's first on-screen appearance. He's on the street most of the time. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) The first pairing of Sidney Greenstreet and Peter Lorre, who would go on to make nine more movies together. They liked each other. (laughs) Oh, Walter Houston is Captain Jacoby. Oh, he was not. He did not charge for his cameo. Oh, okay. And he did. He's like the cameo. Oh, no, he starred in uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. He just made a cameo in this movie for his son. Got it. This is Peter Lorre's favorite film that he's ever done. I just spit all over my iPad. Gross! And I closed the trivia while trying to wipe the spit off the iPad. <laughs> Professional! Professional! Oh, yes. Mary Astor was having an affair with John Huston during the making of this film. Really? <laughs> The Maltese Falcon itself is said to have been inspired by the Niphausen Hawk, a ceremonial pouring vessel made, sorry, that's ceremonial pouring vessel made in 1697 for George Wilhelm von Niphausen, court of the Holy Roman Empire. It is modeled after a hawk perched on a rock and is encrusted with red garnets, amethysts, emeralds, and blue sapphires. The vessel, as of 2012, is owned by the Duke of Devonshire, whose name is Peregrine Cavendish, and is part of the Chatsworth Collection. These names are all made up. There's no way in hell all that stuff is real. Uh, Peregrine is a type of falcon. It's also Pippin's real name in Lord of the Rings. He's Peregrine Took. Thank you very much. Dork. (laughs) Most of the film was shot sequentially. Which would make sense, because then... They can actually act as if they're their characters. When he completed the screenplay, John Huston storyboarded it, as we previously mentioned, mm-hmm. which allowed him the chance to give great thought to the pictorial composition and camera movement. This whole setup took two days to rehearse. Filming was completed in two months at a cost of less than $300,000. It's actually not bad. Although Sidney Greenstreet was 62 years old and this was his film debut, he had already worked as a prominent stage actor for 40 years. This was... Oh, excuse me. That was oh gross. I'm God, sorry. I'm sorry. One not. of the first films admitted to the National Film Registry in its inaugural year of 1989. Yes, 1989. The opening scroll about the history of the Maltese Falcon is entirely made up. FYI. So he did make it up, huh? Yep. I'm watching Jeff look through all his pictures. I don't think I took a picture of it. Hey, that's my supernatural stuff you took a picture of, though. I took a picture of every freaking thing else. Oh, yeah. What was that? Great Gatsby stuff. Oh, 
The original or the newest one? Uh, Leonardo one. Oh. <laughs> the Leonardo one. Leonardo. <laughs> No, I did not take a picture Aww, of it. Oh, bummer. I, I remember seeing it, now that you bring it oh, up. I remember seeing it. The basilisk in Tom Riddle's diary. Yes. Sorry, the basilisk thing. The, the whole second Sorry, floor. If anybody ever goes out to L.A. and you go to the Warner Brothers studio to check out the museum, they have a museum of all the original like original props and, st- and costumes and stuff. They swap it out. The second floor of the museum is entirely all Harry Potter movie stuff. Like also like the the dumb the the frozen like uh, frozen Hermione from the second one yeah the uh, is there on display oh cool like the dummy that they use is there I think I knew about obviously I think I know about that from like Tumblr and stuff but so it's all there yeah, oh the, is it the egg the egg that Harry oh, opens in Goblin nice. of Fire Dobby Dobby what's the, that the shoe the porky shoe in Goblin Fire oh, the one that they use to go yeah. to. The Triwizard, not Triwizard yeah. Tournament. Yeah, yeah. The Triwizard. No, they go to oh, no. um, the Quidditch World Cup. Thank you. Which, I'm sorry, that should have been okay. like 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Not talking about Harry Potter now. <laughs> so sorry, I do not actually have a picture of the of the, the Maltese Falcon. If I had thought about it, I would have. Elijah Cook Jr. was the last surviving member of the cast, dying at the age of 90 in 1991. Humphrey Bogart has absolutely no resemblance to the character of Sam Spade as described in the book. In the book, he is over six feet tall, has a hooked nose and blonde hair. The now infamous seven-minute take, truly innovative in its day, took two days to rehearse. Which seven-minute take was that? I think it's the scene when they're in the... It's it's at the end. Was it at the end? Yeah. Okay. It was hard to keep track of it because I know they, they did a lot of long takes. I just I didn't know which one was which. This is John Huston's first movie. According to Mary Astor in her autobiography, A Life on Film, Sidney Greenstreet was very nervous before his first scene and remarked, Mary, dear, hold my hand and tell me I won't make an ass of myself. <laughs> and he did. Sidney Greenstreet <laughs> was cast whenever the production had difficulty finding an actor large enough. Oh. The, from the start, Peter Lorre was always John Huston's first cho- choice to play Joel Cairo. The total cost of designing, casting, and painting all the Maltese Falcons prepared for the film was less than $700. That's right, $700. $700 was how much it cost to make them all? Yep. Hold on. Let's do a, let's do a, an inflation nation for that real quick. Okay. Just to see what that is the equivalent to nowadays. While you're doing that. $11,000. Wow. And they're going for, and one is going for, for, four, a, points, four, for four, $4 million. million. Dollars. Sorry. Okay, get back. The climatic confrontation scene lasts nearly 20 minutes, one-fifth of the entire running time of the film. It involves all five principal characters and filming required over one full week. One day, the 4th of July from 1941, was taken off. (laughs) Humphrey Bogart and Mary Astor's dialogue-heavy final scene took three days to shoot. For decades, this film could not be legally shown on U.S. television because of its underlying sexual suggestion. (laughs) Really? <laughs> mm-hmm. This is number six on the AFI's list of the ten greatest films in the mystery genre. Did we look that one up? Nope. Let me look that one up. Since we always do. <laughs> and that one we haven't, yeah, since we haven't done that. And one. here are some spoilers for everybody. In all the scenes involving Mary Astor, there's a suggestion of prison. In one scene, she's wearing striped pajamas. The furniture in the room is striped, and then the slivers of light coming through the Venetian blinds suggest jail cell bars. When she steps into the elevator at the end of the film, the lighting also suggests bars. Oh, interesting. John Huston hated the first two attempts to film the novel as the Maltese Falcon from 1931 and Satan Met a Lady from 1936. He felt particularly strongly about the fact that the studio had imposed a happy ending on the previous two examples. 
The scene where Sidney Greenstreet tries to get Humphrey Bogart to take a drink which is drugged was the former's first time in front of a Hollywood camera. There is only one scene in the film, The Killing of Miles Archer, that doesn't involve the presence of Sam Spade. It was put in at the studio's insistence. I'm going to read one more. Okay. It's about the Falcon. Okay. There were several 11 and a half inch tall Falcon props made for use in this film. Some were cast of plastic resin, some of lead. Only two 45 pound lead Falcons and two 5 pound 4.5 ounce resin Falcons are verified to be in existence today. One lead Falcon has been displayed for years at various venues. The second, which was marred at the end of the movie by Sidney Greenstreet, was a gift to William Conrad by studio chief Jack L. Warner. It was auctioned in December of 1994, nine months after Conrad's death, for $398,500 to Ronald Winston of Harry Winston Incorporated. At that time, it was the highest price paid for a movie prop ever. It was used to model a 10-pound gold replica displayed at the 69th Annual Academy Awards in 1997. The replica has Burmese ruby eyes, interchangeable claws, one set of gold and one set of coral, and holds a platinum chain in its beak with a 42.98 flawless diamond at the end. Sorry, that should be a 42.98 carat flawless diamond at the end. It is valued at over $8 million. Jeez. The lead and resin falcons are valued in excess of $2 million. Coincidentally, the true value placed on the real Maltese falcon by Casper Gutman in the film. So I was just going to say, so what they're doing at this point is they're making they're making these falcons be, these replicas or props be valued what they were in the movie. Like, I understand this movie is important. I mean, I know this movie is important, but oh my God. That's a lot of money for a prop. For yeah, I mean, just when when vehicles from movies right. don't go or go for that same amount of money for a statue, a a foot tall statue in a in a, in a single movie, mind you, from the forties. It wasn't like the Maltese Falcon was like a whole series of shorts or like uh, of films or right. something like that. Like it was in a single film for it to go for four million dollars is ridiculous. I'd love to have one, trust me, but that's ridiculous. Okay, real quick. Okay. AFI's top 10 mystery yes. films. Number 10, The Usual Suspects. Love that movie okay. so much. Number 9, Dial M for Murder. Number 8, Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet. Yes. Number 7, North by Northwest. Number okay. 6, The Maltese Falcon. Okay. Number 5, The Third Man. Number 4, Laura. Number 3, Rear Window. Number 2, Chinatown. And you want to take a guess what number one is? Psycho? Nope. It's on our list, though. We haven't watched it yet. I don't it's know. The, it's the last Jimmy Stewart movie we have to watch. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? Nope. It's a Wonderful Life? Nope. What? Vertigo. Vertigo. Yep. Oh, I forgot Vertigo's even on the... We have yes. three more Jimmy Stewart yes, movies? Yes, we do. <gasps> yes! We have a lot of Jimmy Stewart in this list. I'm glad... That, what, what do you say? They're all in the top 50, right? I think so. Because the first one would have been um, uh, Philadelphia Story. Yeah. And then it's all, it's yep. not all downhill. It is technically, but they're yes. all in the top 50. So yeah, it's, that sounds like it'd be an interesting list. We're watching, what, half of them? Yeah. What, one, two, three, four. Yeah, we watch, we're watching half. We're watching five of the 10. So right. We're, we're watching um, three of the top five. 
of that list, so that's kind of cool. It's ridiculous. All right, let me do Stuff and Things with Jeff, and we'll okay. do Inflation Nation, and then uh, we'll wrap things up, and then have cool. a conversation to be out here. All right, number one of Stuff and Things, Archer is a creep. Yeah, he Dude's was. Dude was creepy. I'm glad he got shot. Number two. Jeffrey. That's <laughs> fine. He died right away. Number two. The sergeant lieutenant is a throat puncher. He punches Sam in the throat. He really does. And Sam, like, takes uh, it like a champ. I'm like, dude. Boy. Yeah, like, his voice isn't even, like, all garbly. No. Just like... Boom! Throat punch! I feel like he was probably aiming for his head. Yeah. They just decided we're going to keep that take. It's ridiculous, but... All right. And number three, the Maltese Falcon is a giant chocolate candy. Um, I can't... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you for that one, by the way. You're welcome. Because it did. It felt like like it was like those giant, like, hollow or solid chocolate Easter bunnies like you get at Easter time. That's what it felt like. I was waiting for them to... When you made that comment, we were just waiting for them to bust open the chocolate. Right. Maltese Falcon and have it be like cream filled. <gasps> what if it was a giant Cadbury egg? Oh my god, Cadbury needs to release those for Easter. Yeah, they giant do. Maltese Falcon Cadbury cream filled egg. Yep. No, Cadbury cream filled Maltese Falcons. There we go. Somebody make that. Somebody write a letter to okay. Cadbury. I think it'd be great. Let's start a petition. Let's start do a Kickstarter. It. Let's do, do a Kickstarter. Kickstarter. I mean, there's Kickstarters for I'm going to make an omelet. Yeah. Ridiculous. Potato All right. Salad. Potato salad. That's what it was. All right. So Inflation Nation. Uh, we, we I took everything from 1941. I took it from the year that the movie came out because was there another date? No. I don't remember there ever being another date, right? So in that case, I'm just assuming 1941. $100 is the amount that Archer had in his pocket. That's the equivalent to $1,600 nowadays. $30 was the amount that Archer had in his hand, I think is what the okay. sergeant lieutenant said. That's the equivalent of $486. $200, the amount that O'Shaughnessy, uh, O'Shaughnessy, O'Shaughnessy. Uh, I knew I was going to mess that name up. The amount that O'Shaughnessy paid Archer and Spade to find... You can say Bridget. Can I say Bridget? Say All Bridget. Right. Uh, was the amount that she paid Archer and Spade to go looking for... Right, to trail, to, trail to her. shadow... Was it to trail Thursby. her sister? Yes. Quote unquote? No, no, no. Was that, that's what she told them, wasn't it? Or was no, it to they trail were trailing Thursby, Thursby because she th- she said that her sister was with him. Was with him. Yeah, which is all a lie. That's the equivalent. That's of, not a spoiler. You figure that out in the first like 10 minutes. Yeah, that's movie. right away. That's $3,200 nowadays. So okay. she paid him $3,200 to go find him. Nice. $10,000 was the amount of insurance money that uh, Thursby had on his life, according to Spade. That's the equivalent of $162,000. Okay. $400 was the amount Bridget pays Spade to find the killer of Thursby. That's the equivalent of $6,400. $5,000 is the amount Cairo will pay for the recovery of the Maltese Falcon. Okay. That's $81,000. $50,000 is the amount... Uh, crap. Uh, what's... I'm sorry. What was uh, uh, Green Street's character's name? I, I, I Gutman. Wrote, what was it? Gutman. Gutman. I sorry. I wrote down guy because I was trying to type it out because there was yeah. a lot of numbers being thrown out. Fifty thousand dollars is the amount that Gutman. Yeah. Hold on. Ironically, hold it's on. Gutman. He's got a hold giant on. gut. Hold That's... on. Casper Gutman. I couldn't think of what his okay. first name was. So it's the amount that he will pay Spade to get him the Falcon. He said $25,000 up front and an additional twenty five when I get the Falcon. That's the equivalent of $810,000. So that is the reason why Sam took the case, obviously. Yeah. A million dollars was the minimum value of the Falcon, according to Spade, that Gutman did not refuse, saying it's your words. That's the equivalent of $16 million. 
was the minimum amount of the Falcon in the movie. That's ridiculous. And then finally, $1,000 was the amount Spade kept from the 10000 given to him eventually that eventually he gave to the cops as a bribe or saying he was bribed with it. That's the right. equivalent of $16,000. Jesus. That is all the inflationation I have. We did stop briefly, or we stopped. I looked um, because at one point when they were talking about the $10,000 in the envelope, Gutman said that there's only nine bills in here now. Right. And so I spent, I don't know, 10 minutes looking up the $1,000 bills. Yes. And they actually they were, exist. Yeah, whether they were still in existence or if they existed. And they did. It, the last time they were printed was in 1934. And they had, what was it? Who did I say it had on it? Um, Grover Cleveland. Was it Grover Cleveland? Yep. So, yeah, he's on the, he was on the $1,000 in the last time it printed. It's funny. There's a picture if you Google like a thousand dollar bill. Yeah. It's on Wikipedia. There's a whole article about the higher U.S. currencies, but it's like the back is this bright orange color. Yeah. It looks like Monopoly money. It does. It looks exactly like Monopoly money on the back. And then the front just looks like a normal bill, like a normal old school bill with just Grover Cleveland on there. It's weird. All right. Well, that's all that I have for my lists and things and stuff and stuff and things. So, Lindsay, final thoughts regarding the mouth. This is a great movie. Everyone just watch this movie. I cannot I cannot say that enough. I I love this. I love well done mystery gangsters. And as you pointed out, it was our first mystery. It was. Which is kind of cool. First traditional mystery. Traditional mystery. Because yeah. I guess you could. Because I guess you could say Silence of the Lambs is a mystery. Silence of the Lambs is a mystery. Technically, Goodbye, I guess. Horses. No. <laughs> I haven't no. texted that to you in so long. I know. Thank you. By the way. I'm gonna do um, it tomorrow. <laughs> first day at work. Mm. Next week you'll do it too. Yeah. Um. No. Th- you will have been at work for like three weeks by the time this episode I know, comes out. That's but. weird. Sorry. Uh, so behind. You guys are. Yeah, our episodes might start getting a little not well, sporadic. We'll never leave you guys hanging, but Jeff got a job, yeah. and for the next, let's see, this is August 9th yes. that this episode's coming out. Yes. For at this point, I'll have been working for two weeks. Yeah, we need to. We might build up some back episodes just because for the last three weeks of August. I will still be working my 5 a.m. job while Jeff is working his normal 9 to 5 job, and that does not leave us a lot of time to record during the week, and our weekends get a little tight. So we will never leave you guys hanging. We're going to try and do extra episodes in the next couple of weeks. And if all else fails, it'll only be like a week that we'll skip if something happens. If that, yeah. yeah. But we'll obviously let you guys know on the Facebook yep, page. Of course. Because that's We won't mi- we won't miss anything. I don't think we'll miss anything, but that's that would be the If worst an episode case comes up on Sunday, it's not because Jeff forgot to schedule it because we didn't record it till Saturday. Yes. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Oops. <laughs> so yeah. yes, everyone watch this movie. This is I a love great this movie. movie. I absolutely love this movie. This is the less Humphrey Bogart, I think we have. Uh no. What Casablanca, oh, Casablanca, anyone? Oh my god, I forgot about Casablanca. <laughs> Uh, so we have four Humphrey Bogart films then? I think so. Four Jimmy Stewart movies. Yay! Oh, I love Jimmy Stewart. Me too. Well, Lindsay, what is the next movie on? Oh, okay, real quick, real quick. Uh, where this movie's at on, on the list? We, I think it needs to be back this. up where it is. Which where was, it was. What was you say? 22 20, or yeah, something like that? I think that? in, the, t- I think in yeah. the 20s it would have been great. It needs to be back up there. Be- 22 or 24. Because it very much so is the pinnacle of like good noir mystery yes. now, I don't want to say strictly noir because there's other noir films that do a really good job right. of being noir but this, this is, is a, an accessible yes 
noir film. You don't need to like that style. Or you... understand film theory to grasp yes. the style. You just need to know, okay, somebody died. Yep. Who's ki- who killed him? The who done it? Yeah, basically it's just a big who done it, but it's a so well-crafted who done it. Like it it needs to be higher on the list. Yes, I does. and again, I completely understand why it is because it is it is, a, it is a pinnacle film that showcases noir mystery you know, crime mystery. Plus, you, look who you have in it. You have Humphrey Bogart and you have Peter Lorre in it. Mm-hmm. And it's directed by one of, you know, the one of the U.S., like one of the, one of America's greatest directors of all time, as we've previously stated, because somebody made, like, commented that John Houston was something like nice. Yeah, what? The confused look on Lindsay's face right now is scary. It, I, it's, I got stuck in a hole from looking at our next movie. I'll oh, tell okay. you what it is in a little so, bit. So, yes, well, with that, I, that's all I really had to say. Okay. I mean, this movie's great. Everybody does a great, great movie. Job. Sad that they didn't get, like, she didn't, like, win awards. I know! But, Ugh, you know what, what it's in do? the film registry, and it was yes. at least nominated for Best yes. Picture and Best Writing, so the Academy was aware, okay. That's an awesome movie. You, This was great at writing and great at filmmaking. We just, I wonder, what, oh, you know what I should No, I, no, no. I did not look to see who it lost. Is I'm that what you were looking it. up? Because I, I I'm just gonna realized. Do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Lindsay? 1941. Are you going to do it? <laughs> best picture winner. Yes. Rebecca. Was it Rebecca? Rebecca. It was the 14th Annual Academy Awards. I was going to say, that was still new at that point. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy to think. As for as, for as old as the... Uh, you know, as <laughs> holy crap! Oh, it went up against a lot of films. What did it go up against? Hold on. No, no, this isn't the right you year. You need the nineteen forty-two. Oh, so Rebecca, Rebecca was the nineteen forty-one winner. Still, it looked like it went up against a lot of films. Here we go. What do we got? How green was my valley? Oh yeah. You know what else was up? Citizen Kane. Oh really? Well, that spoiled our, uh, <laughs> I guess we know what happens in our first or our final You movie. won't remember by then anyway. <laughs> what else did it go up against? Oh, it went up against Blossoms Suspicion? Blossoms in the Dust, Citizen Kane, Here Comes Mr. Jordan, Hold Back the Dawn, The Little Foxes, The Maltese Falcon, One Foot in Heaven, Sergeant York, and Suspicion. Suspicion, I think, was a Hitchcock film. Can you click on that real quick? Mm-hmm. I believe Suspicion was a Hitchcock film, wasn't it? Rebecca. Yes. Yeah, it was. Okay. With uh, Cary Grant? No. Yes. Oh, wow. So okay, so this film lost against it lost against How Green Was My Valley, which I I know of. I don't. I know of that film. <laughs> I want to say that's a um. Oh, that wasn't. I thought that was a John Wayne film. It's not a John Wayne film. What is it? Oh 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 okay. At the turn of the century, in, in a Welsh mining village, the Morgans, he stern, she Gentile, raise coal mining sons and hope their youngest will find a better life. You know, if this was now, both Miss Citizen Kane and Maltese Falcon would have been way more considered than that. That wouldn't even made the list. That had a young Roddy McDowell in it. Great. From Planet of the Apes. I know. Okay. I thought that was cool. <laughs> no, it's one of those films. Yeah, nowadays, nowadays, a film like Citizen Kane or, yeah, the Maltese Falcon. Actually, nowadays, Citizen Kane would have won. Because Citizen yeah. Kane feels... Mm. It feels to me like it's a it, like its story and its premise. It feels like it's one of the you know biography movies of uh, you know or like like the I don't want to I don't want to say like no because I guess I guess I guess the butler didn't win awards so why would a movie like Citizen Kane win oh, awards? Oh wait! So <laughs> I 
I did that mockingly. I know. Of myself, by the way. No, I don't know. I, that's a tough decision. I, I, I do agree one of those two films would have won. Not not How Green Is My Valley. Because no. that feels like one of those, like, oh, it would have won, like, like Best Supporting Actress. It would yeah. have won, like, an award like yeah. that. Or maybe Best Writing, Best Screenplay. But it would not have won Best Picture. That just seems weird. So... Oh, and it also won Best Actor and Best Director and Best Cinematography yeah. and oh, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> what is our next movie, Lindsay? You ready? I am ready because I already know what it is. <laughs> our number 30. Oh my gosh. On this list is the infamous Apocalypse Now from 1979. How excited are you to watch this movie? Can we have the Apocalypse later? <laughs> no, and we have to watch the Apocalypse Now Redux. Yes. That's the one you have yes. to watch because that's the one that is the most available. This is, this is, which is the, the Redux is the, like, technically the director's cut, yes. right? So this is like the one time. It is 202 minutes long. <laughs> Why is it another three hour long movie? <laughs> three and because a half hour. Awesome. Um, this is the one occasion where we will break our rule of watching the version that most people because will that watch would, in theaters. No, the. No, the, I... Because I, Apocalypse Now is what got released I in know. theaters. I know. My thought process is we will watch the one that's the most readily available, and True. Redux is the most readily available. Okay. That's the one that's, like, on Netflix and stuff like that. So that's that's the one occasion. Yeah, we're going to... Yeah, wait, if we go... I see, and I always think it as... Three hours I know. <laughs> I'm so excited. We're going to need an intermission. We are going to need, we are gonna need to watch the first half of that film, take a break, go eat, yeah. come back, watch the other half. And now, are we still going to watch the documentary, The yes, Art of Darkness? So that's going to be our bonus episode. So we're going to watch number 30 on the list. And then the episode after that is going to be we a bonus episode yep. where we watch the documentary on the making of it, which will obviously break a lot of our style or a lot of our patterns. So it'll basically just be us talking about the documentary and, you know, some of the stuff that we further things we learned about the movie sorry basically. the full name is hearts of dark it's hearts of darkness mm-hmm. a filmmaker's apocalypse and it's all about the making of apocalypse yep. now right who yep. directed apocalypse now francis is that Ford francis coppola. coppola okay that's what i thought i thought here's he a fun that. here's a couple fun trivia facts to get you to wet your whistles kids i'm sorry francis, what are we doing? <laughs> we're wetting our whistles this movie was supposed to be filmed in six or eight weeks it took 16 months Francis Ford Coppola threatened to commit suicide three times during the filming of this movie, and he lost 100 pounds during the filming of this movie. So you thought Pat, you it's thought the reason the... Martin Sheen's a little bit Looney Tunes. It's <laughs> the reason his kids are all a little bit Looney Tunes. Martin Sheen's kids are Looney Tunes? Just You're a little crazy. bit. crazy. Neil Estevez is fine. He's not crazy. He's not crazy. I don't think. I don't know. I haven't seen him in 15 Gordon years. Bombay. The last time I saw Emilio Estevez when he was walking away at Emilio. the end of D3. That's the last Emilio. time I saw him. Oh well. Well, I look forward to watching. I have not I've never seen Apocalypse Now. I've never seen the movie. I, again, I'm well aware of the movie's existence. I saw it in high school. I, just, I never We watched it in the auditorium on the projector. Nice. I had Ellsburn. Nice. I remember watching, Shaw, uh, not Shawshank, uh, Schindler's List in the auditorium in high school. Fun. And, ever, and coming out of it and I've never people... seen, seen Schindler's List. Oh, it's a good movie. Okay, it's a great movie. It is not like, oh my God, I love this story. It's so great. Like, because it's very depressing. Yes. Because obviously it deals with World War II and the Holocaust and all right. that stuff. But, like, it's a great, well done movie. 
So I'm well, I'm looking forward to Apocalypse Now. I really am looking forward to Apocalypse All Now. All three and a half hours of it. You think that like Platoon was bad? Oh, just wait for Apocalypse Now. I have a feeling I'm going to have a lot of stuff and things with Jeff. Uh-huh. I really do. Because I feel like I'm going to need to write stuff like that. Like when I itch my teeth, I'm so excited. Oh. What? Because <laughs> I'm all bouncy like I'm on like cocaine and I itch my teeth. There's a lot of drugs oh, happening in this great. movie, too. Excellent. So excited. So, anywho. On that note, kids, <laughs> it is all a pill from here. We're hitting number I'm 30. So excited. <laughs> Yay! Oh. <sighs> This is getting exciting. I love that it we is. have to delay doing getting in the top in the twenties because we want to do another episode. I know. <laughs> I want to watch Hearts of Darkness. I do too. I really do. I want to watch it just because I want to see this movie and then watch yeah. all the crap that went into making of it. I wish mm-hmm. every movie had that. Like I, I don't, really do. I don't. There wouldn't be a lot of movies made. Well, no, no. I mean, like, I wish there was like, the, like, like the doc. Well, because because not every movie would be that depressing or not have yeah. that much crap that went on. Like, obviously, this is known for all the truth crap and stuff that went on. Yeah. And then we can watch uh, Tropic Thunder. You know. Yay! No, yeah, I shall call him Half Squad. <laughs> I'm the dude disguised as a dude playing another <laughs> dude. dude. I love God, that. God, that's line. a great movie. Do you know I only saw that movie like a year ago? Oh, it's such a great film. It is a great movie. I watched the movie the first time. I'm like, this is the dumbest thing in the world. Watched it again. I went, okay, I get it. And then yeah. the third time, I'm like, this is hilarious. Yeah. I love this whole movie. Uh, okay, okay. Anywho, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Good night, Radio Rahim. Say good night, CK Dexter Haven. I sometimes flip the order. You do. Because I can't. Fair enough. Okay, bye, okay, everybody. Bye, bye. <laughs> get out. I'm going to be depressed next week. I can't remember what the funny thing was he said about don't get foxy, little bird, or something oh, yes. like that. I can't remember what it was. It was funny, though. What a great way to end the podcast. <laughs> Hello, Internet Dwellers. This is Jeff Bell, president of the Ghost Hat Network, here at the end of this episode to give a quick plug about some of our other exciting shows. But wait a minute, Jeff. You have other shows? Why, yes, random listener, we do. If you head over to ghosthat.net, you can find a heap of shows we produce on a semi-regular basis. Like Super Happy Fun Time, the podcast where Colin Kirchner and myself sit one-on-one and talk movies, TV, video games, and other big things we care about. The Midnight Sleuth, a comedy detective mystery show in the style of old-time radio that follows the adventures of Midnight Sleuth and his partner, Linda Talbot, as they solve crimes, stop the bad guys, and poke fun at the source material. Famous Person Storytime, a podcast where celebrities retell their favorite nursery rhymes or fairy tales as best as they can remember it, even if that memory is completely wrong. So if you're in need of some new shows to listen to on your commute, while working out, or simply relaxing at home, be sure to head over to ghosthat.net now and subscribe to our shows. For more information about this and other projects, visit our official website at www.ghosthat.net or like us on Facebook at facebook.com ghosthat.